Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Jesus forgave us of all sin, past, present, and even future sin. The first time I realized that Jesus took the absolute penalty, punishment, all of it for my sins, that was freedom for me. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Wednesday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today I'm continuing to teach on a better way to pray. And I tell you, I have been saying some super radical things this week. Things that I've not ever heard anybody really teach. I've heard a few people uh, refer to stuff like this, some of my friends, but the vast majority of the body of Christ does not understand New Testament prayer. Last week I started by talking about hypocrites love to pray. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6. And I just countered a lot of religious traditions. This week I've been talking primarily about intercession. And I've based a lot of what I've said on 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 where it says that there is one mediator between God and man and that's the man Christ Jesus. And the scripture calls Jesus the only mediator. In Galatians chapter 3, I believe it's verse 19, it called Moses a mediator because Moses took the law and it was ordained by God in the hands of a mediator. Moses stood between an angry God and people who were worthy of God's wrath and he interceded for them and pled with God to turn away from his fierce wrath. And I, I took this example on Monday from Exodus chapter 32 where the Lord, where, excuse me, Moses actually told the Lord to repent. And Exodus 32, 14 says the Lord did repent. And people use that as an example of intercession that God is angry. God's about to judge people. God's not going to bless people unless we as intercessors stand between this holy God who is angry and intercede and plead for mercy with people. Now, you may not put it in those exact words, but I have described the attitude that the vast majority of people have. When they pray and intercede, they are pleading with God, thinking that God is not disposed to move in behalf of these people or in behalf of this nation or whatever, and the intercessor is pleading with God for mercy. If that's the attitude that you have, then... I know you need to put on your seatbelt, but that is anti-Christ. That is coming against Jesus being the only mediator. You are taking the place of a mediator. And some of you may be thinking, well, that's exactly what Moses did. That's what Abraham did. It's exactly, but Jesus hadn't come at that time. And it was appropriate for them to stand between a holy God who is angry at people because of their sin and plead for mercy. But Jesus is the mediator to end all mediation outside of him. He so reconciled us unto God, 2 Corinthians 5, 19, that there is no pleading and mediation left for us to beg for an angry God to turn. God is no longer angry. His wrath has been satisfied. And if you pray the way that Moses did in Exodus chapter 32, if you intercede the way that Abraham did in Genesis chapter 18, asking God to please spare the city of Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of the ten righteous that were there, if you play, pray with God that way, if you've been praying and saying, oh God, spare this nation because of the godly here, don't judge. And if you've been 
following Abraham's lead in Genesis chapter 18, you are totally ignoring the fact that Jesus has already done that intercession. He is the only mediator. And in the New Testament, if you are trying to do what Jesus did, you make a very poor Jesus. And this is one of the reasons that our prayers aren't getting the right results is because we, first of all, have the wrong opinion about God. We think He's still angry that His wrath hasn't been satisfied and that somehow or another we have to do something to appease this angry God. I'm telling you, Jesus did that. God is not angry. God is for you. Many people who are intercessors, in a sense, have it like... God has got His arms folded like this, and He's saying, nope, you're too ungodly. What makes you think I'll move? We're begging for a revival. Oh, God, please pour out your Spirit. And God's saying, nope, until you get 100,000 people to intercede, until you have 24-hour prayer, until you do this, 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 and we have to do something to somehow or another get God to move. I'm telling you, that's not an accurate description of God. It would be more accurate that God's got His arms out through Jesus. His wrath has been satisfied. He wants to bless America, whatever nation you're living in. He wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. He wants to heal people more than you want them to be healed. He wants to save people more than you want them to be saved. And yet, the intercessors, the way it's presented today, we actually think that God, if it wasn't for us and our great intercession, God would just let the world go to hell. God would let people suffer and die. We, we are pleading with God. Now, I know many of you would never say things like that, but that is the attitude. You know, when I first got really turned on to the Lord, and let me just once again say that everything I'm teaching against, I have done. I have prayed that way because I believe that this is a common mistake that most people make. And God loved me, and I loved God. And I had a good relationship with God. It's not like God hated me. I'm not saying that God hates you if you are guilty of any of the things that I'm countering. But I am saying that I didn't get near as many of my prayers answered. Now I am seeing much more effective prayer. I've seen my son raised from the dead, my wife raised from the dead. I've seen blind eyes open, deaf ears open. I see God supply my needs. I'm having peace and joy and victory in my life that I didn't used to have. And so even though God loved me and I loved God, I am getting better results now because I've learned a better way to pray. That's the reason I entitled this teaching, A Better Way to Pray. I didn't say you're of the devil if you don't pray this way. I know that many people, this is strange what I'm saying to you, but I'm telling you, look at your prayer lives. How, how's it working? How do you get prayers answered? Are you seeing total victory in this area? And the vast majority of people would have to say, well, no, I'm not. Well, then you need to consider there is a better way to pray. And I, when I first got started, I was guilty of doing some of these things I'm preaching against. And I was interceding for the city of Arlington, Texas. That's where I lived. And I mean, I pled with God. I started all-night prayer meetings. We were praying for revival. We would just pray. I would pray at the top of my lungs. I'd walk and pray. And I remember one time praying and saying, Oh, God, if you love the people in Arlington, Texas, half as much as I love them, we would have revival. And as soon as I said that, my lightning fast mind realized there had to be something wrong with this theology. I was wrong someplace to... 
But that's what I was feeling. I was pleading, oh God, please don't pour out your wrath. Oh, please have mercy. Please move. And that's the way that the vast majority of intercessors are. They just think that there is an angry God about to destroy people. He won't move. He won't do anything unless we plead with Him. You are absolutely missing what Jesus has already done. You think that Jesus didn't do enough or you don't even realize what Jesus did. And if it wasn't for your intercession, God wouldn't move. That is anti-Christ. That is against Christ. That is not glorifying and esteeming what Jesus did. You think that you have to add to what Jesus has done. Jesus plus anything equals nothing, but Jesus plus nothing except faith in what He's done equals everything. If you think that you have to add to the intercession of Jesus and somehow or another improve upon it, that you can, you can somehow or another improve what Jesus has done through your intercession, then you have polluted the entire thing. These are some radical statements, but it is absolutely true. And I'm telling you, I went through this in my own life and God loved me because I was sincere. It was in ignorance that I was doing this. I was just following the model that I'd been taught. I would take these Old Testament examples and didn't have enough knowledge of the Word to understand that Jesus changed everything, the way we approach God, the way we receive things. And so because I was sincere and my heart was right, God blessed me to a degree. But I'm telling you, now that I've understood this, now that I pray according to the New Testament pattern, I get much better results than what I used to. And I'm just telling you that the vast majority of people watching this program are still praying, modeling Old Testament things. So I've already used Abraham. I've used Moses as an example. Here's another example in, X, in uh, Numbers chapter 16. I won't take time to relate this whole story, but in the first part of this chapter, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were priests, and they came out against Moses, and they said, Moses, you're taking too much upon yourself. We're also priests. We're also serving God. We ought to have more leadership and more authority. You've made yourself this person who is just, you know, you've exalted yourself, and they came out against his authority and wanted him to release some of his authority over the nation of Israel to them. Well, Moses tried to work with them, and he says, all right, let's go before God and see who God wants to recommend. He says, tomorrow you come and you bring your censers and we will offer prayer. And the one that God accepts, we will, we will let God show who's supposed to be in authority. Well, they didn't even honor him by showing up. They snubbed him. They said, we aren't following any of your instructions. And they just totally ignored what Moses said. And Moses got mad. And publicly in front of all of the people, he said, if these people die a natural death, then you'll know that I'm not a true messenger of God. But if something brand new happens that has never happened before, and if the earth opens up and swallows them into the pit, then you'll know that I'm God's man. And immediately the earth opened up and swallowed them, and then it closed upon them. Man, that's pretty potent. This is a man who knew his position with the Lord. This is a man that knew his authority and power. And I mean, it was just awesome. But look at the results of this. It says in Numbers chapter 16 and verse 41, But on the morrow all the congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. Now these people probably didn't believe that Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were right, but nonetheless they said, You've killed them. 
You know, we just had something happen in the news. I'll try not to be specific, but the police killed a young girl who was trying to run over them with the car. And people are second guessing and saying this is police brutality and stuff. And she didn't have a weapon. Well, she had a car. A car is a pretty good weapon. And she tried to kill these police. And I don't know all the details. So, you know, there may be something to it that I don't know. But just on the surface, people get mad and say, how dare you do this? Well, what was this girl doing out? 16-year-old girl driving a stolen car, resisting arrest, trying to kill the policeman. What was she doing out at 3 o'clock in the morning? And people are sitting there and saying, you shouldn't have done this. Maybe she was wrong. I actually heard one person that called in and said, well, anybody who steals a car, and if they see the police try and stop them, they're going to panic and do something. <laughs> and in a sense, they were saying that, you know what? It, you need to understand how thieves think, and you need to give them mercy and, and not do this. I'm telling you, it was wrong what they did. And it may not have been the best response, but I'm telling you that... Uh, similar to Moses here. Maybe Moses shouldn't have lost his temper. Maybe he shouldn't have said, let the earth open up and swallow them. Maybe a lot of things. But nonetheless, these people were saying, regardless what Korah, Dathan, and Abiram did, you killed the people of the Lord. And they came out against him and murmured against him. And in verse 42, it says, It came to pass when the congregation was gathered against Moses and against Aaron that they looked towards the tabernacle of the congregation, and behold, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And Moses and Aaron came before the tabernacle of the congregation. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Get you up from among this congregation, that I may consume them as in a moment. And they fell upon their faces." If you were with me on, I think it was either Monday or Tuesday's broadcast, Monday, I think, when I used Exodus chapter 32, and the Lord said, Moses, leave me alone that my wrath may wax hot. And I talked about that this really showed the graciousness and the goodness of God, that he would even honor a person and what they have to say in their intercession. Well, here he is again doing the exact same thing. He says, get up from among this congregation that I may consume them. In other words, Moses and Aaron God honored them, and He wouldn't release His wrath as long as they were standing there, lest they get hurt. And in verse 46, Moses knew what was happening. And so in verse 46, it says, Moses said unto Aaron, Take a censer, and put fire therein from off the altar, and put on incense, and go quickly unto the congregation, and make an atonement for them. For there is wrath gone out from before the Lord." And the plague has begun. And Aaron took as Moses commanded and ran into the midst of the congregation. And behold, the plague was begun among the people. And he put on incense and made an atonement for the people. You know, I won't go into a lot of detail, but this incense was from off this altar that was right before the holy place, the holy of holies. And it symbolized prayer. And so taking this incense, it was the sweet odors of this incense that went up before God. That symbolized prayer. What it symbolized, he took the prayer that was ascending before God, put it in a censer, and he ran. And, I, you know, I could just imagine people beginning to fall over dead as this plague went through the congregation. And Aaron ran right past over the dead people and stood in between the people who had died and the people who were still alive. And when the plague came to this censer, to the intercession, to this prayer, the wrath of God was satisfied. The plague was stayed. That's what this is describing. And in verse 48, it says, He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stayed. 
And did you know that this is exactly a passage of Scripture that I've heard New Testament intercessors use to describe the way we have to come before God. And God is so ticked off. He is so angry. His wrath is coming if we don't intercede and stand between a holy God and these people who are worthy of judgment. Our prayer can turn the wrath of God and we can stop the plague, the wrath of God from being poured out on this person or on this nation. And this is exactly the passages of scriptures that intercessors use today to teach about intercession. But again, I state that this is prior to Jesus. Jesus made an atonement that forever satisfied all of the wrath of God. And God is not mad. His wrath has been satisfied. It says 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, that he, we have been reconciled unto God, made friendly again, brought back into harmony through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not angry. He is not going to destroy this nation. He is not going to punish you. You as an intercessor do not have to stand there and plead with God. And if you take the approach that Moses and Aaron took right here, you are anti-Christ. You are not understanding what Jesus has done. You are trying to take the place of Jesus as the mediator. I'm telling you in the New Testament, you do not pray this way. There is a different way to approach God. There is a better way to pray. And I know that what I'm saying is just absolutely shocking, overwhelming some people. You just can't believe I'm saying this. This is so clear in Scripture. The way that they prayed right here was appropriate for them because there had not been an atonement made. They offered sacrifices and animals, sheep and, and um, bulls and goats. But those things it says in Hebrews were only symbolic. They weren't the real deal. But Jesus is the real deal. Jesus was the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world. And he wasn't just a propitiation and atoning sacrifice for our sins, but he was also the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. God's wrath has been satisfied. All of God's wrath has been drawn towards Jesus. And God is not angry at you or at this nation or at anybody. Am I saying that he just changed his standards, that now he's not against things that he used to be for? No, God never changes. He's, he's still the same. But he put the wrath of everyone upon Jesus. Not only from Jesus and backwards, he put the wrath against your sin and my sin that was off in the future at the time Jesus died, nearly 2,000 years in the future. And God has placed all of our wrath as individuals and as nations upon Jesus. And Jesus has paid for the sins of the whole world. And God is no longer angry and we do not need to come before God as if he is angry and about to judge people. That is not understanding what Jesus has done for us. And if we plead and pray and do things the way that Moses and Aaron did here in Numbers chapter 16, you would be against Jesus. You are acting as if he hadn't come. In Numbers 16, Jesus hadn't come. The atonement hadn't been made. And they were appropriate to intercede this way and it saved lives. It says that there was 14,700 people that died in this plague before Aaron was able to go and take the censer and stand in between the living and the dead. 
what Aaron did save lives. But if you pray this way and if you stand there and say, oh God, don't pour out your wrath. Oh God, have mercy. Oh God, if you love this nation half as much as I do, we would have revival. If you pray that way today, you are anti-Christ. You are ignoring what Jesus has done. You are elevating yourself to the position of a mediator, an intercessor that is doing what Jesus has already done. There is still intercession in the New Testament, but it is not trying to get God to do something. It is taking what God has already done through Jesus and simply enforcing it. You take your authority as a believer and you speak against the powers of darkness. You speak against the God of this world who has blinded the mind of uh, people lest they believe and be uh, converted and the Lord saves them. And you just take your authority and you enforce what Jesus has done. The New Testament intercessor is not a beggar, not a pleader, not somebody who is petitioning God for mercy, but somebody who believes that Jesus did all of that. Jesus obtained the favor of God. And now we stand in Christ Jesus and simply enforce what Jesus has already done. He still needs to flow through people. There's many, many scriptures that go along with this, but you know, it says that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. He doesn't just do it for us. It doesn't happen automatically without our cooperation. We have to believe to receive. If we doubt, we do without. You do have to cooperate. But instead of begging God and pleading as if Jesus hasn't obtained everything that we already need, we just take what Jesus has done and say, thank you, Father. Thank you that you have already paid for the sins of this nation. Thank you that you aren't pouring your wrath out. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that according to Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Thank you that your spirit is moving in this land. Thank you that you are not destroying this nation. And then you turn on the devil and Satan, I bind these demonic spirits who are trying to subvert God's plan for this nation, for this person, for this individual. You pray and you speak forth the word of God. And through your words, death and life are in the power of your tongue, Proverbs 18, 21. And as you speak forth life and speak forth the blessing of God and speak forth what Jesus has purchased, then it begins to start becoming manifest in people's lives. We do need to intercede for people, but not begging God. Jesus has already provided. The, the wrath of God was put upon him. He has now obtained God's favor. You do not have to beg God for mercy, plead with God to move. Trust what Jesus did. Stand on Jesus' shoulders. Stand on what he has done. And instead, just enforce the victory that Jesus has won. And you will get infinitely better results praying that way. There is a better way to pray. I tell you, what I've said here is just radical. This is against, I would say, I don't even know the exact percentage, but I dare to say 90% or more of all of the teaching on prayer that's done in the body of Christ today is still modeling it after people who were petitioning an angry God whose wrath had not been satisfied, and they were pleading and begging for mercy all of that has been obtained through Jesus. And now we pray differently. There is a better way to pray. I'm out of time today, but our announcer is going to share with you how to get this book. It's also in Spanish. We also have a study guide. We also have CDs and DVDs. 
And I tell you, you need to get this truth. You need to learn it. You need to share this with other people. It would make a huge difference. It would honor God. It would glorify what Jesus has done, and it would bless you. So listen to our announcer, and please call or write today. Andrew's teaching titled, A Better Way to Pray, is available in the Better Way to Pray package, which includes two books, A Better Way to Pray and The Believer's Authority, as well as your choice of either the CD albums or DVD albums from both teachings. This package has a catalog value of $105, but you can get it today for only $75. If you prefer, the Better Way to Pray resources are available individually as either a book, study guide, CD album, or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources. Or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of July, Andrew will be at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park, Colorado for the annual Summer Family Bible Conference. Guest speakers include Barry Bennett, Stephen Bransford, Carrie Pickett, Greg Moore, Wendell Parr, Paul Milligan, Lawson Perdue, Billy Epperhart, Mark Coward, and Congressman Bob McEwen. Bring your family and join us for great teaching, delicious barbecue, and a special patriotic musical production titled, In God We Trust. Next, Andrew will be in College Park, Georgia for Dr. Creflo Dollar's Grace Life Conference. Later in July, Andrew will be back in Woodland Park to host the Stand for Truth and Liberty Conference with special guest Bishop E.W. Jackson, David Barton, William Federer, Iverson Jackson, Cecil Bly, Alan West, Tim Barton, Dr. Melvin Johnson, and Richard Harris. Also in July, Andrew will be hosting a special Karis Day live stream event. Please note that the main campus in Woodland Park will not be open to guests. This event will take place only at participating Keras Extension campuses worldwide. In August, he'll again be in Woodland Park to host the Kingdom Youth Conference with special guests Todd White, Ryan Edberg, and Joseph Z, and worship performances by the bands Versus, Bread of Stone, and Sean Locke. Andrew will also be in Woodland Park for the annual Healing is Here Conference with special guests Greg Moore, Audrey Mack, Todd White, Daniel Amstutz, and Carly Terradez. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net.
Oh, this is Andrew Womack, and I'm here with my lovely wife, Jamie, and we are going to tell you about our July the 4th musical that is going to yes. be spectacular this year. It's a part of our Summer Family Bible Conference, and Jamie is one of the performers in it. Right now we sing in it. We sing traditional American songs, and then we're going to have some new songs, and it is called In God We Trust. It's an hour and a half of a lot of American history. It'd be great for your teenagers to hear, your mm -hmm. children to hear. Very important this day and time. And it's it's got the most American history crammed into this of anything I have ever seen. So make plans to join us July the 4th for our In God We Trust musical.